Today on the World Triathlon Podcast, we catch up with New Zealand's Ryan Sissons. The two-time Olympian announced his retirement in September after a brilliant career spanning nearly 15 years at the top of the sport. So thank you, Ryan, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I didn't uh, realise if you retire, you still get to come on these sort of shows. So yeah, pretty happy to be <laughs> on here. Where, where are you at the moment? Um, and, you know, since making the decision, how's, how's life changed? Yeah, I'm at home uh, in Cambridge, in New Zealand. So yeah, I've been here... Uh, well, I haven't left since I got back from Malulaba, which seems like quite a long time ago. And my life has changed a fair bit since then too. But um, no, I've been really fortunate to be able to be at home and enjoy, you know, just home comforts. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess a lot has changed for me um, over that time and decided that it was time for me to retire and move on to the next stage of my life. And um, I've, you know, retired on a Thursday and started work the next week on a Wednesday. So it's been a, a really quick transition um, into working lifestyle, but I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. And um, so far I, you know, I am, um, I'm happy with my decision. Oh yeah. So what, what have you got straight into? I'm working for Coca-Cola. So um, obviously everyone knows who, who Coca-Cola is. So I'm a territory sales manager for a region um, here in the Coromandel. So it's like a real, your summer hotspot so it's definitely very different and very challenging in a lot uh, of other ways and uh, first week was just a, a complete uh, brain explosion as to uh, you know honestly you go from being I guess an expert in one thing to being a complete idiot and something else so that was uh, definitely a, a massive learning curve for me and after the first few days I you know came home and remember ringing mum and saying man oh, I think I've made a real bad decision here I just I just feel so out of depth so but yeah you, you learn a lot and uh every day and every week gets better so let's hope that in another few weeks I'm I'm a little bit better than when I was at the start and it's obviously not the kind of decision you come to overnight um so and it was obviously like the the trigger as you've said before was was the postponement of the games uh to next year so you know, did it just feel like it was the it was the right thing at the right time, um, given everything that was going on? Yeah, I mean, like I always wanted to go to to Tokyo, and you know, I I knew that I could go to Tokyo if I performed like I wanted to do, and I you know I started my season off exactly how I wanted to in Malulabar, and was hoping that that was sort of going to continue, and and I, you know, obviously with everything that happened and everything be cancelled and postponed and so on like I just really had to decide whether it was something that I could continue doing or I mean I could continue doing triathlon for another year but could I continue doing it at that level that I needed to go to the Olympics and do well at the Olympics that was the the real question and I, it became pretty clear pretty quickly that I didn't have what I needed to commit to that another 12 months of being how I needed to be to get a result at the Olympics that I was proud of. So essentially that's why I made the decision I did because yeah, I still enjoy doing triathlon. And yeah, of course I'd love to just continue to train, especially as it's coming into summer now every day and just cruise around. But it wasn't about just doing it to cruise around. It was doing it to go to the Olympics and get a really good result. So and I just didn't have that commitment and drive and sacrifice in me anymore. And, in the end of the day that was that's okay and it was just time to to move on and do something else my best year was 2017 I was like going really really well like you know was you know on podium 
uh, in Hamburg. I was fourth in a few races, fifth in other races, as tenth in the World Series, I think, that year. And that was like a really good, consistent year for me. And then, unfortunately, I had um, hernia surgery into that year. And then I had come off games, uh, which I, you know, went really well at, but wasn't quite what I wanted. And then I got a stress fracture in 2018. And that sort of, <laughs> has, it took me a year to get better or to fix that before I actually started coming right. And that was sort of the end of, end of 2019 and early this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think if, if, yeah, if the Olympics weren't postponed, I probably I obviously would have kept going and would have been really gunning to, to be there. But, yeah, it was, it was just, uh, it was too much for me uh, to, you know, to continue on. Like you said, 2017, there was a great string of results in that World Cup winning Madrid must have felt like a huge platform to kick on from as well and then yeah the injury so and then again this year started so well with Malulaba and then it, it kind of all went to hell again so quickly after so that's like a couple of times where have you felt you know absolutely primed to to, to do something special and then the kind of rug's been pulled out underneath you a bit yeah I mean like I uh I, this time you know, I feel like, yeah, COVID has affected it and so forth, but it was, it, it, this was my decision to, to stop, I guess. And so, uh, whereas a stress fracture wasn't my decision, <laughs> I would have kept going if I could have. So yeah. in that sense, it's different. It's the same, but it's different um, because I chose it this time. And, you know, I, I knew how well I raced in the little bar and I was happy with that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't have anything else to prove to myself or to anyone else. Like, you know, it is what it is. I may not have had the best results throughout my career, but I've had some really good results. I've done some really cool things. And that for me was, you know, that was more than what I ever dreamed of doing when I first started doing triathlon when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old. So um, I guess I looked at it in that way rather than what could have been. Um, and yeah, I guess that's, I guess, how, how I always thought. Is it funny, like reading some of the sort of news stories when you announced your retirement and a couple of them refer to you as a, a veteran triathlete at the age of 32, does that seem kind of strange? Is it sort of testament to how much you've packed into, and also then somewhere like Mooloolaba beating the likes of Hayden and the new generation coming through, that must have felt really satisfying as well. Yeah, I guess uh, I certainly am not the, the oldest on the circuit. Um, you know, there's definitely guys that are they're older than me, but I have been around for a fair amount of time, and, and certainly, you know, the last few years, you know, you're looking at the results sheet or the start sheet, and look, and and it's got bloody everyone's birth dates next to it, and everyone's <laughs> in the high 90s or 2000s, and then you've got the few outliers that are like 80s, and it's like, oh man, like this is they start this to stand out crazy. a bit in the 80s, so, though. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You're like, oh, 80, who, like, who's he? Like, what the hell? What is he doing here? So, yeah, it definitely, I mean, for me, I mean, the age thing, like, didn't really matter. Like, uh, if I could keep going at 40 and be the best, I still would, you know, why not? But I certainly did know that my body wasn't as resilient as it was when I was a, uh, a bit younger. And I, and I always laugh because I used to train with Chris Gemmell a lot when he was at the end of his career. And I used to give him so much stick about, you know, getting out of bed in the morning 30 or 40 minutes before we had to get out the door because he had to limber around and get himself ready to go. And I used to roll out of bed, 
five minutes before we're out the door and bang, I'm straight into a run. And I was like, yo, man, like, what are you? And I'm like that now. I was like a run session at 10 a.m. I'm up, I'm up at 7.30. I'm having a coffee. I'm walking around the house trying to get ready for this bloody run session. Whereas back in the day, it was just straight out the door. No worries. So it, it, it definitely had to change um, a lot of things, you know, as I got older. Just, you know, just body just couldn't handle it anymore. And Chris was obviously like quite a, a mentor sort of figure to you in in those early days right yeah absolutely and still to to to, to the, this is my last race like i you know i talked to him a lot um and you know like i i can be open and honest he said to me um before move he's like make sure you win this might be the only race you do this year and this was the conversation i had with him literally two hours before the race started and um it was just you know he's always been someone that i've always talked to about stuff he's always been there for the crap times he's always been there for the good times so yeah he certainly had and, and i trained with him a lot when it was you know when he was training too so he's certainly someone that's you know been very influ- influential in my career um and still a very good friend you know outside of sport even though we have arguments and <laughs> all the time but uh we always, you know, we always want the best for each other. And we always, you know, I think it's just a great relationship we've always had. Yeah. Anyone that you've spent that much time with, I guess, is, uh, is a special kind of bond. And you and Bevan and Chris were the, the New Zealand team in London 2012, right? How was that as a, as a first Olympic experience and, and the build up? And, you know, were you a bag of nerves or were you sort of young and pumped up and, you know, feeling no fear. Uh, a bit of both, I think. I think the one thing is, like, I I didn't know what to expect, so that, you know, I didn't, I had no idea um, what to expect. I'd been training with Chris pretty much all the way up to it, and then I went and trained with Bevan for the last um, wee while, and, you know, very, very different in the way they trained and were around training or around a you know pre-olympic build-up as such so that was really cool and um go on then what were the obvious sort of differences between the two what were their their approaches well i guess like i hadn't spent a lot of time training with bevan but i spent a lot of time training with chris so we knew each other really really well and chris was always pretty relaxed and pretty chill and we just did our training and stuff whereas you know bevan being a double olympic medalist going into London, he has a lot more pressure on him because he was that good. And so I think he was just a lot more, um, not like angry or not like, I don't know, just ruthless. He's just super ruthless. Like if it didn't suit him, he wouldn't do it. And that was just that because, you know, that's just how he has been. That's how he's got his results. And he was on his path. Yeah. Like, I mean, I still remember that one of the funniest was walking. Um, we're, we're going to the, um, Chris wasn't there because he was at altitude and so he was coming down really late. And so Bevan and I were going to the um, the pre-race like media thing that we had to do for NZOC and Olympic Committee and so on. And so Bevan and I were in a bloody car for however long. It, it, it did take a long time and, you know, I, I was surprised that Bevan even agreed to doing it. But I, I think he felt that he needed to because I was the young one on the team and I would otherwise be the only one going. So anyway... Like an hour and a half later, we're like literally one security 
check away from being in the building we need to be like we, we got into the village we got through all these stages we're in the media center and Bevan just as we we're about to go through that last security thing he just lost it like took all the stuff turned around and got the train and went home and I was like oh crap like what like what's going on here and then I went into this media thing like just me first time Olympics and everyone's like oh where's Bevan and I'm like ah uh, <laughs> like no comment like I, what do you say so yeah there's funny things like that you know and that's just like he was he just like got to a point where he's like nah i've had enough of this and just that was it didn't care i'm uh see ya yeah. and so yeah just very different and i think whereas chris would have been you know he would have thought about this whole process a lot like before and figured out a way of doing it better or so on so you know that's just differences in those two i guess yeah but you actually you waded in with a with a solid no comment, did you? <laughs> As your I, I think I think like I yeah I remember them textbook. asking and I remember saying oh yeah like no nah, yeah like no comment like <laughs> I remember them and then the media guy showing oh yeah Bevan's uh, had something that he needed to do and he couldn't be here well, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah of course he did so yeah, pretty funny. And were you guys staying in the athletes' village or out of there? Uh, we stayed out of the village um in london we stayed yeah out of the village and then in a hotel just close to the village so we weren't actually staying i stayed in the village after the race right um, but not before yeah yeah and, and you know those those first impressions of of kicking around the athlete village with some of the biggest names in sport and just I, you know it must be an incredible place to experience yeah it definitely is like Especially afterwards, before, you know, I wasn't in there, so, you, you know, you're just doing your thing like a normal race. But afterwards, like, you know, didn't have to train, didn't have to do anything. Could, you know, I think I went out for five days straight and got home, went out every night and got home when the sun was coming up every morning. So, like, yeah, it was just a crazy time because you could, like, you could do that, you know. There's always things on and always people wanting to go out and do things and experience it. So, I definitely made the most of it, and I think, I, I did race Stockholm, I think, two weeks after um, the Olympics. And so, I, you know, did the London Olympics, did a five-night bender at the Olympics, then had probably one or two nights off and then went to Ibiza with my friends for three nights. That was another three <laughs> or four-day bender. And then went straight to Stockholm. And I think I had about five days before the race in Stockholm. And the funny, one of the funniest stories, I think I still remember booking my hotel there for the week when I was probably quite hungover and it's i booked it at a maternity maternity ward uh, motel at the hospital <laughs> so I, t I turned up there broken after five nights or four nights at ibiza and just was <laughs> my motel was full of like baby like kids and <laughs> damaged people everywhere i just i just yeah well, it was a really funny story but um <laughs> At least it was like yeah. a nice sort of calming atmosphere. If you needed some mothering after three days in, I'd be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like every day at breakfast in the mornings, there's just women wheeling in their babies in like the plastic containers. And I'm like, oh, what have <laughs> I done? Like, <laughs> and I'm wheeling my bike through the hall and they're wheeling their babies in plastic containers. So yeah, that was a, that was an interesting time. And I really enjoyed it. And I didn't race very well in Stockholm, as you can imagine, but I was still turned up. And that was, uh, <laughs> that, that was the best part. Yeah. <laughs> So coming out of London, you know, how was it? Was it kind of nice pressure off first games? Um, obviously, Chris and 
uh, and Bevan finished just outside of the top 10. So, you know. Yeah, obviously London was insane. Like, I don't think I could hear myself breathing around that whole course, like the whole time. And um, I, I obviously would have liked to have raced better than what I did, but I didn't race terrible either. It was sort of like an okay performance, nothing good, nothing bad. You know, it was just a great experience. And of course, I was like, right, I want to go to the next one. I want to do better at the next one and so forth. And yeah, it was, um, yeah, I always wanted to go to the Olympics as a kid. And, you know, that was, I guess, an achievement in itself. But, you know, after that, you're like, all right, I'm not happy with like, you know, 30th or whatever it was. And you want to do better all the time. So that was, I guess, the next goal was was the next Olympics straight away. And obviously, it was Commonwealth Games in between that and so on. So, um, you know, the, the goals, and you know, never really ended. It was just a constant role of one goal after the next. So between then and, and Rio 2016, a lot kind of changed within New Zealand sport, like the triathlon setup there as well kind of shifted into very much more like a high performance sort of setup, right? Did, did, how, how was that like being on the inside of the, the kind of the, the change in mentality, I suppose, of the, of the actual kind of Kiwi setup itself? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I guess fairly common knowledge that I disagree with a lot of it through those times and I hated it through times and I, you know, got in trouble a lot because I told them I didn't like it and, and so on. But I think all in all, what was set up um, in Cambridge where, where, I, where I live now is great and, and getting everyone in one place to train together is great and everyone needs each other to train better because that's what everyone's doing and it, and it works really well. You always have athletes you know, pushing each other daily. And I think, you know, that's great, but it was more about, you know, like the control of what you can and can't do within the environment, which was, you know, really bad to begin with. So I, you know, I was very open and honest about that. And I, you know, wasn't in the program. I was in another program, you know, constantly because as soon as, you know, there was too much control and you had to do this, you had to do that. I didn't want to be a part of it. So, you know, overall, I think, the, the concept of having a you know a high performance center and a base here in Cambridge is great and it's it's working really well. We're developing some really good young athletes and you know it's amazing training here. We've got great facilities. They're only going to get better. There's a lot of athletes. It's just a great place to be. So and the, the programs learnt from those mistakes and I guess you know moving forward and what they're doing now and onwards is you know hopefully on the track of giving athletes a chance to train together but also to be like individual and do what they need to do rather than just, you know, what everyone has to do um, together. Yeah, I suppose. Was it, it was something that was somewhat inevitable after the kind of, the changing of the guard from Bevan and Chris. And like, once those guys had moved on, it was, that was when this new setup was introduced, right? Because they probably wouldn't have kind of, you know, they, they were already established athletes and doing their thing. So were you in that awkward position of like, you were, you were kind of the new guard, but close to the old guard, and that left you somewhat straddling both worlds a bit. Yeah, and I think, you know, it became, it's like, it went earlier than, like, Bevan and Chris. It's like Hamish, you know, Hamish getting a gold medal, then Bevan, and then Bevan again. And, then, like, so there was a lot of, like, you know, expectation for us just to constantly keep getting medals. Like, it was like, oh, why aren't you guys getting medals? Are you guys crap? Like, no, we're not crap. Like, it's just really hard. Um, you know, like, what do you mean? Like, 
there's it's, it's really hard like you know but oh but you guys you go medals and all the olympics before this and you guys are getting 10th or 20th like you guys are crap it's like like you just don't get it it's really hard it's got harder and harder so there was more a sense doing it. there's more people doing it yeah well it just became like that it was like oh you guys are just crap you're only like 15th in the world like what are you doing like you know right so i don't know like that that was hard at the start especially for me because i knew like i was yeah i guess in the middle and there was a few athletes like you know in the middle as well that were younger than bevan and chris and, and hamish obviously and but also like old enough to still have been racing. Like I never raced with Hamish, but I did race with Bevan and Chris. So, you know, I was sort of in the middle of that. And then I did race with some of the guys who are racing now were like juniors, I guess, when I was racing like early seniors. So I was in that middle phase where it was really hard for the last two Olympics for us. Like, you know, just really hard. It was constantly like, I guess on the back foot until we sort of, you know, start to build back up to, you know what what we we want to be or what everyone wants to be and that's to win win races and, and you and andrea were, were kind of traveling together somewhat outside of the system right at the end of last year and is she have you been hanging out with her a bit through through this year and through lockdown and so on is she around yeah i mean i've obviously known andrea for a long time and you know i have a huge amount of respect for what she's done and what she's gone through and yeah, I guess we we all do. I mean, it's that's it just it's just Andrea. She's just insane. I just yeah, there's no words for her sometimes. Like the things that she's done, you know, the things that she's been through, and then the things that she continues to do. So uh, yeah, I always stay in, in in contact with her, and I've seen her. You know, I've she was there in Malulaba racing this year, and I've seen her. I think a couple of times um, this you know during winter. I've gone on to Christchurch a couple of times and seen her. So. And I'm seeing her in a couple of weeks uh, when she gets married, actually. So um, that's going to be pretty cool. And yeah, we're still very good friends and, and talk a lot. And I think that will never change regardless of, of me or, you know, me doing triathlon or not. Yeah, well, that, that wedding's going to be emotional for many reasons, huh? Yeah, it is. And uh, I have the very lucky job of being the MC, which is, which is pretty cool. Wow. Uh, but also really hard because... Yeah, I mean, there's just so much that's gone on. And so, yeah, it is what it is. It's going to be an awesome day for, for Andrea and Ollie. And, um, yeah, I can't wait, to obviously, to be a part of it. And then, so, and, and Andrea was in Rio with you, right? That Just to, to you know, go back and get another dose of Olympic stories. The, uh, the build-up to Rio, like, qualification and so on. How was that doing it for a, for a second time? Yeah, uh, it was different again like a lot of you know uh, like before I'd actually qualify you know I you know changed coaches to Laurent and then you know the whole situation changed when when he passed away and that made it you know you know I really wanted to make the Olympics even more after that and and you know the first race that we did in uh, early 2016 Andrea obviously was already qualified I qualified myself and that was you know really awesome for for me and also knowing that I could support Andrea and in going to her third Olympics. So yeah, it was a, it was a very different sort of feeling, I guess, to my first Olympics, um, but still very satisfying to, you know, to nail a automatic qualification and, and to know that I was, you know, going to another Olympic games. Yeah. And as far as iconic race settings go from, from London to Copacabana beach, pretty hard to top good memories from Rio. 
yeah, they were cool. They were very different. I don't have any crazy stories like I did in London. I definitely enjoyed London a lot more than Rio. And that was more the fact that Rio just, like, yeah, the place is crazy and, and, and sure, like, you know, there's, it's, it is just crazy. Um, but I just didn't get to do as much, mainly, well, two reasons. We raced um, on, like, the third last day of the Olympics, and Andrea raced on the second last day. And so I pretty much hung up with her all the way until she raced anyway. So we literally only had the Saturday night after her race and then the Sunday night closing. So mm. that was, you know, the amount of time that we, you know, could go out or do anything. So, you know, I didn't really experience this, the same, you know, in London, I had a, I was finished in the middle. So I had a week of like destroying my body, whereas I only had like one night and, and it was, I went to the closing ceremony, it rained. And then just sort of looking back then like further into to like the start of your career, one of your first ITU races was in Hungary, uh, 2007 duathlon world championships. There were the Brownlee brothers on there, Richard Murray, Mario Mola. Um, how much of those kind of races do you remember? Like those, those first international travels and so on. And, uh, and you know, being among those kind of people as, as your careers progressed as well. Yeah, it is like pretty funny to see some photos like back in the day of like, you know, you know, Mario and Richard and Vincent and the Brownies, like we're all pretty young and just kicking about. So yeah, I've, you know, raced them for many, many years. Um, and yeah, it's always cool to look back at them. And I, I know I've started more like as a you know, duathlete, I was never a really good swimmer. So, I, you know, started more on the duathlon side, I guess, similar to Richard and then move towards the triathlon um, as, it, as it progressed. But, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's quite funny looking at some of those photos and stuff from, from back in the day. The sport has obviously changed a lot over that time as well. Um, what, what do you see as, like, some of the most positive things that have happened, that have, that have changed within the sport over the time you've been racing? I guess it's just become a lot more, like, professional. Uh, you know, it's like, it's, it's not, it's like your job, it's your full-time job. Like, you, you know, there's a, a circuit that you can race, you know, every weekend, whether it's, you know, German, German Grand Prix, French Grand Prix, IT, you know, not IT, World Triathlon or World Cups or Continental Cups. Like there's just so many options and that's just, you know, just grown consistently um, from back in the day. So I think that's great. Like you can really make a, a living out of it and, and, yeah, it can be your full-time job. Whereas I think back in the day it was, you know, people still needed other things to, to, to get by and to, to live and make money. I guess like places, new race venues and things as well that have come on to, that perhaps, you know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have necessarily had a race in Abu Dhabi or, or even China maybe, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, like racing in these big cities on these, crazy circuits and so forth like it's you know it's changed a lot like the sport's grown a lot it has a lot more presence within the world of sport and i think you know that's obviously it's great and uh can only imagine that it's just going to get you know better and better as the, the sport progresses what would you say like your favorite looking back have you got a kind of couple of races that you look back on particularly fondly not necessarily just the result but like either the course or or you know the setup itself yeah, pro probably. Like, I mean, uh, Hamburg for sure has always been a race. Like, I watched, I, I was a junior in Hamburg, I think, in like 2007, watching, 
Daniel Unger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daniel, he won the World Champs that year. Um, and I was like a junior and like it was just insane. The crowds were crazy and, you know, it was, it was great. And then, you know, getting third in 2017 with the same sort of crowds, like, you know, it was quite different. Like, I, you know, would only have dreamt of that. You know, obviously I would love to have won, but just to get on the podium itself was, was, was good enough for me, if I'm honest. Um, so, yeah, that, that was definitely one of the races. And then probably the other one was like Auckland, like Auckland World Series when we used to have have them like the course was just crazy obviously having a world big race like that at home was always great and I always seemed to race really well on, on that sort of course so those are definitely two of them you know two of the best and you know Malulaba and this year was again one just because I you know executed the race exactly how I wanted to and I was just really proud of how I raced and how I prepared you know everything before that race so um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of races there for different reasons, but you know, those are probably the the three that stand out. No, the, and the beer shower in Hamburg, <laughs> that, were they doing that in 2017 as well? And yeah, I did that. Yeah, that was good. Um, <laughs> apart from yeah, having wet shoes, real yeah, beer smelling shoes for a few days. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I still have that. Um, still have the um big glass somewhere so oh, yeah um, yeah that, i'll keep that forever it was uh who was it mario and jake with you up there right yeah it was so yeah not 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 terrible guys to be on the podium with <laughs> absolutely and uh all right so on the on the flip side any like races that you know just you were just not feeling at any point like you know that you look back and like god if I hadn't been there, that would have been much better. <laughs> that would have been a much better call. Yeah, definitely. Oh, there's, there's a lot of races like that that you just like. Why did I even turn up? Um, and, and, I mean, I learned a lot. About, like, you know, <laughs> I you know throughout my time, like a lot of coaching. Oh, yeah, we'll just train through this race, and like we're peaking for that one in a couple of weeks, but we'll just train through this one. And as a like a young kid, you're like, yeah, absolutely, like no worries, like oh, I can do that get to the race and you just get hammered because you're just cooked and yeah. you just got nothing to give and you're like finish the race and you're 50th or 55th or something and you're like what was the point in that like <laughs> I just was chasing my ass the whole day and so throughout my career I learned all right I'm never like towards the end of our last fair bit of the time like I'm never turning up to a race with an excuse of like I'm just training through this like if you turn up race like otherwise just don't go because, you know, of course, you're always, you know, doing a race to, you know, maybe get some training benefit to do another race and so on. And that makes sense. But you're not really like, I guess, training. Well, I was never really training through races in the end because you just, it's too hard. Like the quality of athletes yeah. in these races now is just too hard to expect to go there and train through the race and go well. Like, yeah, maybe some people can and, like, you know, great, good on them. But, Definitely not me. I had to turn up and I had to be ready to go. So, um, yeah. Have you have you been kind of keeping track of you know the, the couple of races that have been back since the end of this year? Have you, you know, Vincent's three goals. He's looking like a bit nailed on for for an Olympic podium at the moment. Yeah, I have watched a few. I mean, I actually I haven't. I haven't watched any of them, but I've seen the results. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, he's clearly like all round an amazing athlete, but 
you know, you can never be so sure. It's the Olympics, anything can happen. You know, you, at the moment, of course, he's definitely a hot contender for a medal at the Olympics. And, and you know, that's great. But you just have to turn up and race on the day. I think, you know, I've spoke, spoken to Hamish a lot about this and he was exactly the same before Sydney Olympics. He was number one in the world. He was expected to turn up and just win and he got 30th or whatever it was. And, hmm. you know, that can happen to anyone in the sport because one little mistake here or there or, you know, one misfortune or something, you know, and, and you're out. So, um, you know, for sure, pre-race, you know, pre-Olympic year form is great, but, you know, turning up and, and getting it done on the day is definitely another thing. So, yeah, if, you know, I'm really, I do hope that we can, you know, the world can continue on and, and the Olympics can go ahead and it'll be, be great to watch from a, from a different perspective. And this year, next year now, will be the first mixed relay. Was that an event you always got into? Like, you know, coming the day after the individual race in Hamburg and places that, you know, it, was it something that you found quite easy to get yourself up for? Yeah, the ones that, I mean, I didn't do a lot. I definitely haven't done as many as, as others, but I have done a few and I guess done all right. And, and some we've done, I think we we're third in Hamburg one year. And in the first year that it happened in Lausanne, we were second or something like that. So, I mean, yeah, I've done a few and I've definitely enjoyed them. They're definitely a very different ball game and I definitely needed to practice a lot more of them if I wanted to be good at them because, yeah, it's just a, it's a different, a, a diff, nearly a different sport, like when you're doing them. So, um, I enjoy them and I think it's great. Like the whole team aspect obviously is is, is amazing and it just brings a, a different um, a different different vibe to the event. So uh, it's really cool that we can have that another opportunity at the Olympics for triathlon, especially in, in a mixed relay uh, type, of, type of sport. You've been trying to get like nicknames for the teams uh, as a result of like the Belgian hammers and, and so on. Talking to Katie Zafira, she came up with the four of july for the u.s team and so on was there ever like a nickname that went with the the kiwi team or was it fairly traditional all black type stuff nah <laughs> we probably if i was going to call it a team i'll just say we're the tri-blacks but um you know it makes sense yeah but um if you ask taylor he'd probably say it's full gap um a gizzy a gizzy word he's from gisborne yeah. in new zealand and it's just something he uses all the time so right. we never really had a name um but yeah, I'm going to go with Tri Blacks. All right. Nice. I like that. And we were also, um, so yeah, I was kind of charged with uh, trying to find the intro music for, for the various teams. Um, I don't know what your musical, this this was what we sort of settled for in the end for the Kiwis. See what you think. Let me get it on here. Hold on. I'm sure you'll know it, but. You know that one? Is it bit of six sixty, isn't it? The back, the, the uh, shape shapeshifter was. Is that shapings? Yeah. I don't know. Is oh, that I was wrong, really? wasn't I? Six sixty <laughs> or shapeshifter? Any of those two? Um, It'll do, will it? Yeah, like yeah. I probably six sixty's got some really good songs too that will probably fit. Um, or, or yeah, or shapeshifter. You know, e- either or. All right, good to know. <laughs> You might have to remove that. I can't believe I got that wrong. <laughs> nah, jokes, leave it in. It was all a joke. 
<laughs> is that so what's your kind of you know what's been keeping you sane during lockdown and you know with, without the usual traveling and so on um what kept me busy not much really like i was just home in cambridge uh luckily i had my dog with me he got sick of me towards the end because we wanted to go for like two walks a day and yeah i mean he probably hated it but um i don't know i i just i just trained during lockdown really try to sneak a few swims in when i when i could um yeah i, I did a crazy another crazy thing that every every triathlete seemed to be doing and that was right 200 k so i did that one day that wasn't as much as i thought as yeah as fun as i thought it was going to be so i didn't do that again um yeah i don't know i just try to keep myself busy doing random stuff um I can't even remember what I did. Was that comfortably the furthest you've ridden? Like in oh world? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, probably before that was probably one sixty, one seventy. Um, but this was like two hundred k solo because obviously you know, the old bloody isolation. We weren't allowed to go riding with anyone that wasn't living in your house, so it was like, you know, yeah, no. couldn't talk out the door by yourself. <laughs> yeah, so that was a that was a good seven hours on the bike one day. That so that one day off um i, I don't actually don't really know what i did like mow the lawns a couple of times um, <laughs> did some gardening cleaned my room i don't know just anything i could I, to be fair i had the, the worst sleeping pattern uh yeah. possible i think i was going to bed at like 2 a.m i don't know why i needed to stay up late because i don't know maybe and i was waking up at like 11 yeah so your body missing yeah. going through like random time zones and stuff <laughs> yeah i think just because like i was just bored so i just yeah. stayed up all night and then just slept half the day and then just just continued that so mm. yeah i don't know so yeah so it's um normal working life for you now but are you going to be you're going to keep training and, and competing in other ways you reckon yeah definitely will i mean at the moment i'm reasonably unfit i haven't swum since um i guess since i retired um <laughs> not because i don't want to just but i've just been really busy um with work and trying to like get my head around you know learning a lot of new things and and so on so i've you know been running a little bit and, and cycling a little bit i'm doing a mountain bike race on the weekend uh yeah i'm just, I'm just kind of ticking along at the moment to be honest uh, but i definitely want to get into I guess more of a routine once I'm you know, more settled into the work lifestyle and I can make time to, to enjoy some training again. But at the moment, yeah, just kind of doing what I can when I can. And yeah, it's, it's quite good. I, I, I am at my heaviest I've ever been and that's uh, 67 kgs. So yeah, it's, uh, if I get, as soon as I get to near 70, I'm straight back on the training regime. That's for sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, yeah, other priorities, right? Settling into get, getting to grips with the office politics and so on. That's gonna that's gonna take up some time. Figure out what's what and who's who, and get your get your name on your mug and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, it has. You know, I mean, just learning people's names in the office is enough for me for like a couple of weeks' work, and then trying to figure out what I'm actually doing in my job. That's taken another week, <laughs> um, and then yeah, trying to figure out all the things that I've messed up on the first week, how to fix them. That's another week. So yeah, I mean, it's going to take me a while to actually get into some sort of routine, but yeah, I'll get back into it. I want to run a fast marathon at some point. I will do an Ironman at some point. And this is all just for fun. This is not, you know, going fast. It's, 
I guess how I'll look at it, well, I do want to do a marathon reasonably fast because I think I can still do enough training for that. But I think the way I look at it now is the challenge is going to be is how fast I can go with how little training. Hmm. Um, and that's going to be, uh, I guess, the challenge moving forward. Yeah. Have you got a time in mind or too early to say? For a marathon? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to go under 220. Nothing crazy, <laughs> like as in, know. you know, crazy, crazy, but still... Yeah. Yeah. like a decent challenge um cool. so yeah i mean we'll give it a go are you going to tell do the, do the people in the office know about your you know other life as it were are you going to kind of go around getting some sponsorship and stuff and be like look if i get under two and a half hours you're gonna have, you have to seriously sponsor me and they're like oh, two and a half hours now nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah my office uh everyone does know uh okay. what i have done in the past life um so yeah i don't think i think yeah, there we know uh, um, athletic ability challenges uh, coming my way from any of them anytime soon. That's for sure. But um, yeah, <laughs> it Come was quite funny because we'll be a bit one sided. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but no, I've got a really cool team um, that I work with, and they've been really, you know, I mean, as I said to them when I applied, you know, because I applied for the job just like anyone else would, and did all the interview process just like anyone else did. I didn't, you know know anyone that you know just gave me the job I, I just did it um like a normal person and i think um yeah i was kind of scary because i'd never applied for a job before i'd never done a job interview never done any of that so um you know i don't know i don't obviously i did okay because i got the job but um you know they've all been very helpful with me because you know turn up the first day and i'm like yeah i've never had a job i have no idea what i'm doing so you can have to teach me so um they've all been very helpful and uh, patient with, with me, which has been, been pretty cool. Well, brilliant. Congratulations for getting, getting it sorted so quickly. That's, uh, oh, know, I definitely haven't got sorted. Um, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, well, and as far as ways to, to bookend a racing career, then that win in Malulaba is going to be a nice memory to keep with you, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I uh, always joke around. Um, with especially some of the, the athletes here in Cambridge and the Kiwi athletes, I'm like, oh, yep, you're, not, you're only as good as your last race. And, uh, yeah, I, I won my last race. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. I always bring it up when, especially now when I go training with them or whatever and I'm my slow one hanging on the back and, I'm, and they're always, you know, give me a bit of stick. But I'm like, hey, don't you guys just remember, you're only as good as your last race. And I you're beat them all. Swinging so behind fun. you on the bike, right? Yeah, as soon as I say that, the pace seems to increase substantially. So <laughs> I may not be going on any of their training sessions again. Yeah. Well, it's been great to catch up with you. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. Really appreciate it. No, thank you for, for having me.